There was once this old school preacher, when he was younger, he would mess around. He and his friends, they would go to like a crowded spot on the street, like downtown Michigan Avenue, or you would think of some crowded spots on campus. And he and his friends would gather around, and then they would start pointing up in the sky, and then they'd start arguing with each other. And they're trying to play a practical joke. So they're like, oh, no, it's not. Yes, it is. And they're fighting and fighting. No, it is. Look at it. And so they would start doing this. And then a crowd would gather around them and start looking up with them. And when the crowd was big enough, he and his friends would step back and just look at the crowd staring up at nothing. And then as he got older, he went on to say, so it is with all earthborn religions. People say they believe and they want to experience something and they even want to see something. But in reality, it's all nothing. And I would take it even further and say sometimes within the Christian context, we can be people who want to have uh, such experiences. We want to know things and say we believe things, but sometimes we're chasing after a bunch of nothing. And sometimes the Christian circles that you may know or run in can be filled with a lot of nothing, whether people are trying to get you to join their group that is filled with errant philosophies uh, I heard about this one group. It's a, it's a bunch of younger people, which, uh, too, that they're, they're gathering around in these Christian contexts with, with these Christian tarot cards that they call destiny cards, and they're trying to read your future. That's nothing. You will see certain people promote certain movements of conferences that will elevate you to the next level as you leave the basics of Christianity behind. And others will insist that in order to grow, you have to be giving a certain amount, a significant amount of your money if you truly want to experience blessings. And still others stress a deviant sexual morality so that you can finally experience who you were created to be. And most of these all have in common the idea that Jesus is not enough. But you have to seek further enlightenment to, to reach your, your full spiritual potential along with all the blessings. It's nothing. And you may wonder, why, why would people fall for such silly things? Like, you're smart, right? You would never fall for such silly things. So why do professing Christians fall for a bunch of nothing? And I would say, suffering makes you vulnerable. Discontentment makes you easy fall prey to foolishness. And so if you are feeling kind of numb in your Christian life, or you're suffering right now, and you're thinking, man, I may, must be missing something. And so you're more vulnerable to foolishness or errant theologies. And maybe that's you right now. The pain of the normal Christian life leaves you scratching your head and wondering, am I missing something? It's just a bunch of nothing apart from Christ. 
And these struggles that we have are nothing new. It's, it's throughout the New Testament. A lot of the letters in the New Testament are written to address a bunch of nothing, in the sense, errant philosophies and theologies to correct the church so they walk in righteousness. And that's what we have once again here this morning as we turn back to the book of Colossians. And we get a glimpse once again of error trying to infiltrate the church and the Apostle Paul rooting the church in truth. So we're in Colossians 2, in verses 6 through 15. I'm going to read it to you, so why don't you go ahead and stand. Starting verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. For those of you new here, just checking us out or maybe visiting for the first time, well, let me set the context a bit. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a healthy church in Colossae. This church is bearing fruit and growing in maturity in Christ. But there's some threats coming against it as this false teaching is trying to infiltrate the church. It's a movement from the gospel to some type of higher plane. It's the gospel plus something else. The gospel can be shown to be insufficient when you start piling stuff on the necessity to have a relationship with God when it's Jesus plus something else. We often think of error as subtracting from Jesus, but also error is adding to him and his finished work on the cross. Now, in order to combat this false teaching, what the Apostle Paul does, he spends time exalting the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. Not only is Christ supreme, but he is also sufficient. And in this portion of the scriptures, we're, we're seeing Paul urging them to not be deceived by false teachers, but to press on in the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. Let me put a little structure up, because this is kind of some deep stuff here. Let me put a little structure you can follow. 
we're going to see in verses 6 and 7, he's going to say, keep going in Christ. Do not be deceived. He is all that you need. This is kind of the structure we're going through to help us stay organized. So let's just go ahead and jump in. Chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This verse captures the main exhortation of the letter to Colossians. Keep going in Christ. The Colossians have received Christ Jesus the Lord, which has been spelled out in this letter up to this point. And since they have received Christ Jesus the Lord, they were to keep going. Specifically, they were to keep walking in him. Paul is exhorting the Colossians to live in conformity with their reception of Christ. They do not need to deviate to another form of teaching. They do not need an upgrade in their spirituality. I mean, all of us like upgrades. You know, you think about the original iPhone, and now we're all the way up to the iPhone 10. There is no Jesus 10, all right? You do not need an upgrade from the Jesus that you have received because he is simply Jesus Christ the Lord. And as you have received him, they were to keep going in Christ, to keep walking. Why would you deviate? This weekend is All-Star Weekend in the, in the NBA. I don't know if any of you are into basketball. But if you are, you perhaps know Steph Curry, plays for the Warriors, one of the best players in the league. He has this little warm-up routine that he does. You can look at it online. Last, his warm-up routine probably lasts, I don't know, about 20 minutes. He does some dribbling. He does some passing. And he does some shooting in his warm-up routine. And he's not deviating from the same routine that he always does. And these fundamentals that he's sticking with, he just does over and over again. So when it comes to game time, he's ready to roll. And these things will come naturally. But what if you went up to Steph and said, hey, man, just mix it up a little bit. This is getting kind of boring. You keep doing the same thing over and over again. He'd be like, uh, yeah, I will dominate you. Like the best player in the league or one of the best, right? So why switch back on to you? Just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, fundamentally rooted in him, do not deviate onto something else. So the idea is to keep going, all right? To keep going in Christ. Verse 7. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Don't you just love all this imagery here? We have imagery of walking and yet rooted. I mean, how can you walk when you are rooted? Well, well thankfully, uh, I had a little help this week from a friend who said, well, you know what? Let me tell you about a, a Pokemon who walks, and his legs are roots. His name apparently is Bellsprout, so he is a Pokemon <laughs> whose legs are roots, and he walks. So that's how it works right there, all right? Well, the imagery is agricultural, of course, but there's also construction. But let's just keep going with this agriculture. He says you root it. By the way, women's ministry, shout out. Root it, right, this Saturday. Okay, look it up at Bolton. Root it. Hope to see you there. I won't be there, but hope to see you there. Root it. You think about this agricultural imagery of going down deep. John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So you have the idea of root it, okay? You, you understand it, root it deep. 
But also there's this construction imagery in verse 7 as it says, built up in him and established in the faith. All right? So your roots go down deep in Christ and the construction imagery is you're, you're being built up. So you stay walking in Christ, who you received as Lord. You stay rooted in him, and then that you will grow up and be able to fight off false doctrine, false teaching, because you're staying in the truth. 2004 is when I moved here, and for those of you who are new to Evanston, back in the day, these high-rise condos were not all over the place that, that you currently see. In fact, back in 2004, when I, when I, when I came here, the, you know, the you know, LA Fitness, Barnes & Noble, where they're at right now? Well, that did not exist. Remember, it used to be a uh, Osco drug. Anybody? Osco drug. And the parking garage is where our church would park in order to go to church underneath Panera. The parking garage was very sketchy. You didn't know if you would survive parking in that garage. Well, eventually they came and they just knocked that all down. I mean, all of it. And then they dug a huge hole. They went way down. And then they went up. And now you work out at LA Fitness. So you go and read books in there, right? It's huge. Down, up. But what if you say, you know what? I kind of, I don't, I don't know about this. Let's just knock it all down, right? Let's build something new. Maybe they will one day, but not now. You go, no, it's fine. It works great. They went rooted. They went up. Don't knock it down. That's what Paul's getting at. You're rooted in Christ. You're growing up in Christ. Do not listen to these false teachers. In fact, do not even look at their plans. Keep going in Christ. As you have received him as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and growing. And then he says, do not be deceived. Look at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Strong warning here. Not to be taken captive by the false teaching attempting to infiltrate the church. Now, for those of you who are philosophy majors, this is not a diss on all philosophy, but on the errant teaching of these infiltrators. And the details of their error will be seen more next week. And it has to do with stipulations with regard to food and drink, the observances of festivals and Sabbaths, the worship of angels, the subduing of the body, and all types of crazy visions. We'll, we'll touch on that next week. And you may think that after the New Testament times, since the Bible warns against false doctrines so much, that we would never fall prey to false teaching. But where you are sitting right now proves that theory wrong. This building, before it was sold to the Music Institute of Chicago, is a Christian science building, which still bears the name on the front. Now, you can look up later all the teachings of the Christian science, and I'm not saying they're not nice neighbors and nice people that you can work with, but they take the Bible, and they deny most of the historic doctrines, 
and they add a variety of other things to the historic doctrines. In fact, what may be known about the most about Christian scientists is that they pretty much refuse medical care. Like if you're out there playing in football and you get hurt, the Christian scientists, if they know one another, they'll just kind of wait. A combination of faith and some of their other metaphysical practices. I was taking my son, 11 years old, yesterday to get, get three teeth pulled. I'm like, all right, what do Christian scientists do with dentists? Right? For the most part, if they have a cavity, they try to go away and hope it goes away by some of the metaphysical stuff. And if they have to have three teeth pulled, they won't use Novocaine. So you're thinking, whoa, that's crazy. How do, how do they fall? They took this, started piling on, started piling on. It could still happen today. We could all be deceived and, and go astray. And what the Apostle Paul is getting at here, he's saying, hey, that teaching, this is empty. And he says it's according to human tradition, according to the elements spirits of the world. In fact, this teaching is not from God. It's from humans. In fact, it's ultimately demonic in origin. It may be popular and sound right, but their teaching at its core is demonic and originates from the evil one and not according to Christ because it demands extras and add-ons to get to fullness. Watch out. Watch out. And I'm, I'm telling you that right now. Watch out. Like, how many of you are really watching out? We're like, nah, I don't need to watch out. I mean, think about, it may, be, it may sound like I'm talking about aliens right now. Like, how many of you are afraid of alien abduction? Uh, well, a few of you, but for the most part, you're not. Like, it doesn't matter how many times you've watched Stranger Things, right? You, you, the TV show? Yeah. You don't fear the Demogorgon's going to come and get you, right? You just don't have that fear. But, no. But here we're talking about an alien philosophy, errant teaching that you need to be on your guard against. And you need to watch out, and it's not going to come with flashes of lasers or anything like that, it's going to be subtle. And it's going to sound kind of right. And you may be in a vulnerable position, and they may say, look, it's in the Bible, and you may fall for it. So watch out. Watch out. So we have this idea of keep going in Christ. Do not be deceived. And now we're at this portion where we say he's all that you need. And what the Apostle Paul's about to do, he's just telling them, hey, Stick with Christ. Don't be deceived. And now he's going to root them deep. He's going to root you deep in truth. What we're about to read is, is pretty heavy stuff. It's, it's where these deep roots will go down so that we can grow up. So let's just go with these deep roots that will, will fight off these errant philosophies and stick with Christ. So watch what Paul does as he's putting his words to action rooting them in Christ. This is really deep, right? So let's try to process this as best as we can. Look at verse 9. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. It seems like the false teachers here are denying that Jesus was God. This is why Paul emphasizes the deity of Jesus by saying, in him, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. Paul harps on this word fullness to indicate that Jesus was fully divine even though 
he dwelt in a body. One of the ways you can hear it explained is that Jesus was the great God-man. And this strikes back at at any errant teaching that would, would deviate from the divinity of Jesus, while at the same time any teaching that would devalue his humanity. Perhaps some of the teachers viewed the body as bad and denied the incarnation of God taking on flesh. Maybe they even downplayed Christ's divinity by stressing some errant theology that made him a lesser God or or like an angel. Paul is asserting here that in the great God-man, in Christ, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. And this fullness language is a big deal for Paul. It should be a big deal for us because it indicates not only the fullness in Christ, but now believers have been filled in him. There's this union language. It says, you have been filled in him. Now, brothers and sisters, you need nothing more. You don't need any add-ons. If you want to know God, know his truth, experience him, that is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. For his life, death, burial, resurrection, who he is, you have fullness in him. Well, how did you receive this fullness, all right? Let's keep keep rooting ourselves, all right? Let's root so we can grow. Look at verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What does that mean? If you're new to church, you're like, what are you talking about? Well, the false teachers apparently were advocating some type of ascetic practice of denial to the body or disciplining the body or even physical circumcision so they could reach this higher plane in life, maybe forgiveness of sins or or better afterlife. So they were focused on these outward rituals. But Paul's like, whoa, 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 it's not about the outward rituals. It's about a spiritual inward work on the heart. And that's described in the language of circumcision of Christ. It's a circumcision of the, of the heart. It's not, it's not a physical circumcision, but it was made without hands, which means that it was spiritual. It's the Holy Spirit's work in you, where this circumcision is resulted in putting off of the body of the flesh, which is a reference to this cutting off of sin over your life. There's a way this is expressed in other parts of the Bible that may be helpful for you is Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. The idea being that through faith in Christ, you have been transferred from the ruling power of sin and now under the ruling power of Christ. You do not need to follow these man-made rules or disciplines with your body to somehow reach some elevated higher, higher being, power, whatever. And you'll often find that when false teaching starts to infiltrate church, people start to get really weird on talks about their body and what their body can and can't do with regard to spiritual elevation. And you'll hear some weird stuff. When you hear something weird, think to yourself, that doesn't sound right. There's some famous um, people down in Texas, 
very famous. I grew up in Texas, so I, I know who they are. It's Gloria and Kenneth Copeland. Don't listen to them, please. Don't watch them. But the Gloria Copeland, in the midst of all this flu epidemic going around, she's like, Jesus gave us the flu shot. We're inoculated by the Word of God. Like, what are you talking about? Does that hit you wrong? Jesus gives you the flu shot? What? You want that stuff, to, and that, that's, that is a false teaching, and they have crazy theology, but that's false teaching and somehow throws the body in with the mix. No, no, no. In Christ is fullness, and it's been a spiritual work in us that manifests in walking with him. Keep going. Look at verse 12. Keep rooting yourselves. Verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. This union with Christ has the imagery of the old self, which was crucified, now buried with Christ in baptism, and also raised with him. For those of you who've been baptized believers, you can think about going under the water, identifying you with the death of Christ, and you're being raised to walk in newness in Christ. You're, you're united with him in his resurrection power, which enables you to walk according to his word. Romans 6, 11 says it in these terms, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and to live to God in Christ Jesus. And the powerful working of God in union with Christ means you don't have to give in to sin. It no longer has this ruling power over you. You have the power to say no as you've been circumcised internally by the Spirit of God, and also you've been crucified, buried, and raised with Christ. Now, what we're doing here is we're going, we're trying to go deep. This, this is good gospel truth. It may, may feel heavy talking about the deity, humanity, the great God-man, Jesus. We're talking about internal circumcision of the heart. These are great doctrines. We're talking about burial and resurrection so we can walk in fullness. This is good. We're rooting ourselves deep in Christ. And sometimes when you feel stuck right now, you may feel spiritually stuck or numb or indifferent to the things of God. You may think, ah, that doesn't sound very good. Give me something more. Give me something else. You can think about fads. I don't know if any of you are ever into dieting fads. Um, There's a lot of weird dieting fads. You're like, okay, I need to get on a diet for the next eight eight, eight weeks. I'm just going to eat cardboard. Just something like that, right? Just cardboard surely will help me. But there's there's can be fads spiritually as well where where you you want to take in this spiritual cardboard. And the spiritual cardboard can be church hopping, <laughs> podcast bopping, theological shopping until you you get your best life now apart from the gospel, right? You're not, you're not content. You're like, man, I, it must be the church that I'm going to pop, 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 pop. And like, no, I'm going to listen to a lot of different podcasts and give me, oh, I don't like the theology. I'm going to switch it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take what I like and leave other things. And you're like, I got my best life now. I want it right now. And you're departing from the gospel. It's a spiritual cardboard. It's nothing. It's nothing. Well, let's finish up. Let's finish up. Let's keep getting rooted. Come on, let's finish up. Get root, grow up. Verse 13 and 14. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, 
having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And this is the core right here. If you start moving on to other stuff, I mean, like, who else is going to forgive your sins? Who else is going to deal with your sins and your opposition to God and God's wrath upon? Who's going to deal with that? Because you have this record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. It's like an IOU. You know, that's all of humanity has this IOU. You're born with it. You're like, God, I owe you complete and perfect obedience, which none of you do. None of us obey perfectly at all. And so now, before God, we stand condemned. Condemned, that is the penalty for not fulfilling our duties, right? And so we are condemned, we're going to die, and we're going to be separated from God forever. But God, here's the good news, took this record of debt that condemned us to hell, and, and he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. And the good news for us is that through faith in Jesus, you can have your sin debt to God removed as Christ paid your debt on the cross, bearing the wrath of God in your place. And now you can sing, and now you can rejoice, and you can say, my sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh, my soul. And you may think, okay, so, so far, Christ has dealt with sin. He's given me the power to obey circumcision inwardly. And also the burial and resurrection, me being dead and buried in him. These are deep things. But what about, what about Satan? What about the evil one? What about the enemy? What did Jesus do with regard to him? Well, last verse, verse 15. says that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This open shame is the, the cross crushed Satan. In fact, all demonic rulers and authorities were put to open shame, and the enemy was defeated in the cross of Christ. The imagery is uh, this king, he's marching into uh, a city, he's this victorious king, and he has a defeated king and all the enemies in the trail of this procession behind him. So King Jesus is victorious as the enemy is defeated in shame. That means that Satan no longer has power over you as he's been disarmed. A week from last Saturday, we were doing a little family worship on Saturday night, getting ready for church on Sunday, and I was talking to my kids and asking them, you know, what, what we do at church the next day. We're like, we've got to get ready for church, you know. What are the things we can do? What are we going to learn there? And my six-year-old says, but what if I see Satan? Well, that's a good question. What if you see Satan at church? Well, <laughs> he is the enemy of your soul, right? You may not be able to see him, but he's against you. And he's here trying to deceive you even now. And what we know from a fact is that he has no power over you. He may throw things your way. Maybe there's some lies you're believing. You say, you know what? That is not right. There may be things that come into your life to oppose you. Ultimately, he has no power over you. 
He cannot separate you from the love that you have in Jesus Christ our Lord. So are you putting this all together? Like, why would you want to move on or add to Jesus? You have the great God-man who has saved you. He has filled you with the Spirit, and such this circumcision has happened where you can now obey. You don't have to give in to sin. And when you do, you have grace of forgiveness because what you owe God has now been paid through Christ. And the enemy of your soul right now has been conquered who has no ultimate and lasting power over you. So why would you move on or add to or subtract from Jesus? You've got to keep going in Christ. Do not be deceived. It's all you need. I'm going to do something I don't usually do at the end. I rarely, like, give you something to go do, right? I just feel like the Spirit's moving in you. Sometimes I'll throw things out there. But I want to give you something to do. Not here. You can do it wherever. But I want you to think about this. At my house, I'm in charge of the vitamins. Each morning for breakfast, getting all these vitamins, which I don't know if they work or not. But anyway, just throwing them out, different parts of the table. Here, eat your vitamins, eat your vitamins. And I get my vitamins. I, I don't know. But... But what these false teachers are offering are like these spiritual, you know, vitamin supplements, right? That's what they're trying to get. And, and you think, well, just don't eat those supplements. Say no to the evil one. Right? And I understand that. But I would say that in the history of the world, right now, I think you are more vulnerable to false teaching than, say, someone was 100 years ago. Maybe, maybe not. But I would say you're more vulnerable. Because you know why? I think false teaching bombards you every day, and it, and it shows up when you're doing this. You're in your feed, right? You're like, all right, what's going on today? Oh, who's mad today? Oh, little boy. And I've got to ask you a question. As fast as you scroll through whatever feed of social media you're on, as fast as you scroll, can you discern that fast what's true and what's not true? I'm just wondering, can you discern that fast? I mean, some of you can scroll fast. I mean, you're doing it right now. You're like, yeah, what are you talking about? Fast. <laughs> but, how, but can you discern what you're reading? Can you discern what you're, I don't know, reposting, liking, retweeting, or whatever else it's called? Can you? So here's the one thing I want you to do this week. Before you start throwing stuff back out there that you read, before you start reposting, retweeting, just, just stop and go, okay, is what I'm reading, I mean, I'm not talking about sports and things like that, but when you're reading something that sounds kind of religious and Christian or spiritual, it's like, huh, does this devalue Jesus? Or does this add on to Jesus? This, does this subtract from who he is or does Am I trying to add stuff to Christ? Like, think through what you're doing. I know you can scroll fast, but can you discern faster? <laughs> so slow down. Take a little pause and think about what you're doing. And don't deviate. Keep going in Christ. Do not be deceived. He's all that you need. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you for the truth we heard this morning. Even in our pain and our suffering, we praise you that the great God-man Jesus Christ has entered history to save us. And we've got a lot of grace poured on us. And we've had our hearts changed. We've been filled with the Spirit. We've been crucified, resurrected in Christ. And Satan is conquered. Lord, root us in truth of your word, of who you are. May we not move on to this spiritual cardboard that is a bunch of nothing. And where our hearts are prone to deception, whether it's in our daily life, interacting with others, or interacting with technology and what we're reading, may we think what we're doing. May we be quick to discern what it means to represent you in this world and to walk with you in this world until we see you in the next. In Christ's name, amen.